Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, the home of powerful conversations. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Jimmy Narain. Jimmy is an online entrepreneur, international speaker, best-selling course creator and adventurer. You have more than 105,000 students from 194 countries enrolled in your courses on online learning platform Udemy, where you specialize in areas such as confidence, social skills, wealth creation and productivity. Your straight-talking approach and exceptional delivery has resulted in thousands of five-star reviews and earned you the first, very first Udemy Innovation Award. You've been a digital nomad for over five years and have explored in excess of 72 countries while running your online ventures. You have featured in Entrepreneur and Business Insider and you regularly deliver keynotes at sellout conferences such as Mindvalley U, DNX, Nomad Cruise and 12MinMe. You're also the co-founder of Growth Masters, an invite-only adventure mastermind for ambitious entrepreneurs run across the globe in locations such as Bali, the Himalayas, the Canary Islands and Brazil. Your mission is to help millions of people destroy their limiting beliefs, tap into their true potential and design their best lives. Jimmy, it's absolutely incredible to have you here. Welcome Pleasure, to the man. show. Man, this is, <laughs> this is the best introduction I, I ever got. Thank I'm you, impressed. sir. Seriously, man. Thank you've, you. You've done your homework. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's funny to listen to this, by the way. Really? I'm sitting here listening to this. And yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> put all of this thing together. Absolutely. I, I, I get that a lot from people. Um, mm. And I said this to you earlier. Sometimes people are sitting there like, that's actually me. That's Who's crazy. that person? Yeah, exactly. Who's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, and that's the thing in life because, you know, somebody mm. like yourself who's always in the game, a high performance individual, you know, you're always looking ahead. Yeah. And I think oftentimes reflecting back and, and you know, kind of considering what you've managed mm. to achieve. Yeah. It's just awesome. I feel like this is important actually, you know, because, yeah. um, and by the way, when I, when I think about it, if somebody told me 10 years ago, <laughs> 15 years ago, that one day, I would have the life I have now, I wouldn't have believed. I, I just really? wouldn't have believed. And I'm sure we're gonna talk a little bit about that, but uh, first of all, I just wanna say, this place is beautiful. Beautiful Thank place, you. beautiful house. People <laughs> can see in front of the camera. I mean, just the setup here with all the paintings. I saw uh, the statue of Epictetus over there in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this um, amazing stoic philosopher who used mm -hmm. to be a slave, and then he wrote a bunch of uh, very inspiring works. And your city, by the way, man, Edinburgh, <laughs> we had a beautiful weather today. I walked around, went to the awesome. gym. Awesome, nice people, uh, architecture, views. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful place. It's got all of that stuff. Yeah. And, and on a day like today as well, it's, it's, it's good that you were able to actually appreciate it. Oh, tremendous, man, tremendous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> I'll be back, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're welcome yeah. to come back anytime. So with the interview, what I like to do is go back mm. to the very start, you oh. know, your early life, where you grew up. I mean, if you can kind of set the scene and tell us, what was, what was that uh -huh. like? Sure, so in my previous life, I was, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm messing around. No, no, but, but <laughs> so let me start with this. So uh, I grew up in Poland, right, after communism. And, uh, you know, my life was pretty tough. I, I, I didn't live in a ghetto, right? It was not like people were shooting at me, but we didn't have too much money. My parents were medical doctors. Mm -hmm. and back in Poland after communism, if you were a doctor, you were making 250, maybe 300 euros per month, Oof. the equivalent. Okay. So we could barely make ends meet. And I remember when we lived in this uh, flat in the town called Gurujans, probably nobody watching this knows. <laughs> don't, don't know it. <laughs> and we lived there in this commie flat with cockroaches. Jeez. And I never forget, you know, I remember in the middle of the night, we, we would wake up and I'm like, daddy, daddy, cockroach. My father would have to, would have to kill them. 
So it wasn't that easy. And then um, on the top of that, because I'm half Polish and half South American, hmm. I experienced a little bit of racism. Really? And this is interesting. So I haven't thought about it for many years. Only recently I realized that probably one of the reasons why I was so shy, and I'm going to get back to it later, but mm -hmm. um, probably one of the reasons was that um, I experienced that racism. People would ask me, why is your name Jimmy? Where the hell do you come from? Go back to your country. And I felt Polish because I grew up in Poland. I spoke Polish, but I never felt truly welcomed, right? Mm. And we changed schools quite a lot. So every few years I would change school. Then we moved to a different city. So whichever environment I would get into, I never felt truly welcomed. I, I would make a bunch of friends and then I would change school. And then the same thing would happen again. Hey, like, where do you come from? Why are you here? So that kind of screwed me up when I was a kid. And I feel like that was one of the reasons why I became very shy. Mm. At some point, actually a little bit socially awkward, right? Okay. So on the outside may have looked okay, but deep inside I was very stressed about social situations. And I, I had those moments when I would want to talk to somebody, right? Say, uh, I see you somewhere, I see you with a bunch of other kids and I want to say hi. And as I'm walking towards you, something would hold me back, right? This weird feeling in my stomach, mm. you know, those, those weird butterflies, but in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And then my hands sweating and, and thousands of thoughts running through my head. And I would just start panicking. And I'm like, nah, I just can't talk to those people. So I had those situations. But for, by the way, can you relate to this? Ever had anything like this or? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I generally, I, Probably my internal belief system is that I'm a confident person. Uh -huh. So, I mean, I, I, there are situations, obviously, when I mm -hmm. fell out of my comfort zone, but um, I can't, I don't know about social anxiety. When you were younger, like when you were Yeah, a kid. probably, uh -huh. probably, yeah. Uh -huh. Maybe I met your mom, so she's really yeah. cool. Maybe she, <laughs> maybe her influence, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure many yeah. people can relate to this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully not that many, actually, but, but I'm sure some people watching this uh, can relate to this. And uh, when you have situations like this, it's very easy to fall into this pattern of thinking, okay, this is my present, therefore this has to be my future. Mm. But fortunately, I discovered personal development. People, guys like Tony Robbins, for example, Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn, all of yeah, those you know, big players. Yeah. And I realized, wait a second, this doesn't have to be my future. And then as I dig deeper, I realized that there are many people all over the world who overcame the odds way worse than mine. Because look, I had limiting beliefs. I, uh, I didn't have money. I didn't speak any languages. Mm. Cool. Nobody was shooting at me. We had food in the fridge. Mm -hmm. I had amazing family. So, so I realized that it's not that bad. It's about focusing on the right things. So when I switched my focus to not being just a victim, right? Not thinking, mm. okay, this happened to me. Therefore, it has to be like this. But I realized, wait a second, I can just take this life and just mold it, right? Just do something with it and, and figure out where I want to be and design that life. That's when things started changing. And that led me to, to go to British University, bootstrap my way uh, to, to study there and working in different corporations, traveling all over, yeah, yeah. even on budget, you know, no money, still traveling. <laughs> and then yeah. eventually diving deep into entrepreneurship. So mm -hmm. this is kind of the, the cliff notes of... Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> but what I find incredible is that, and, and I think anyone watching or listening could mm -hmm. relate, perhaps, is that like looking at you now, you would never have thought mm -hmm. that you lacked confidence. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And in many ways, you've got every reason to be confident. Like, you're in great shape. You're a handsome guy. You're young. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting that everyone 
at, uh -huh. at some level can have these limiting beliefs. Oh, definitely. You know? Because you see, like people see certain things from the outside, right? Yes, but, of but course. But it's all about how you see yourself on the inside. And exactly. What you said is really interesting because you probably have had situations when you meet a supermodel, right? Mm. Girl is beautiful, amazing, like perfect body, perfect face, everything is, uh, everything is great, um, high IQ, uh, nice family, prospects in life, <laughs> yet she looks in the mirror and she sees someone who is utterly ugly, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so everything sits here in the head and you have to learn how to reframe mm. you know, everything, how to, how to shape your own identity. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. We can, we, well, what we'll yeah, do we is we'll, we'll, we'll definitely dig yeah. a lot into that. Um, so many things to talk about. Is, it's fascinating. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a lot to cover. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit about uh, your, your sort of early career path and, mm. and really what, what led to you doing what you're now doing. Sure. So um, <laughs> back in the day, I always had those dreams of being a banker. Okay. Either a banker or being a consultant in a big company. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons was that, you know, growing up back in Poland, everybody mm -hmm. had this American dream, right? So mm. we saw those movies and, and, you know, many people thought, oh, wow, it would be so amazing to move abroad, work for a big bank, make a lot of money, wear a suit every day and just slash frauds and make those big deals. So when I went to study mm. in the UK, um, that was also the, the mentality, right? So... Um, the, I would say the pinnacle for any student was to work for a company like Goldman Sachs or Morgan yeah. Stanley mm. or BCG, McKinsey. Mm -hmm. And what do you do when you are an insecure kid from Poland? Well, you, you try to work for a company like that. So, you know, that, that led me to work for Goldman Sachs. Before I did a bunch of other things, I worked for Allianz. I even worked in the pharmacy one time. Okay. I, I tried a bunch of different things, but I don't want to, you know, spend time delving sure. into every single um, detail yeah, here. Yeah. But but I went to Goldman Sachs and I remember initially I felt super excited. I remember looking at my business card thinking, I'm here. You've made it. <laughs> I arrived. It. I arrived. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then this is Kildare's and I think about how I felt. And then, but then, you know, you meet people and, and, and you ask people, hey, so why do you work here? And everyone gives you kind of the same funny definition of like, Oh well, I work here because I'm really passionate about finance, and uh, and you know you listen to this and you're thinking, do we really believe in this? Everyone is saying the same shit, but yeah, yeah. it seems like no one is really believing in it. <laughs> and then, fair enough, uh, very soon I realized that it wasn't for me, and uh, I just I just felt trapped. Like, I, look, don't get me wrong, I appreciate the experience, and yeah. if I could go back, I probably wouldn't have changed anything because I learned a lot. But I realized that I felt trapped. I needed freedom. And I always had that tingling inside of my head that I always wanted to build something that's going to create value for other people, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to live with a purpose. So I wake up every morning and I feel like whatever it is that I'm doing is contributing to this world. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's I was listening to um, an interview that you did with our mutual friend, Martin mm. Georgiev. Oh, with Martin. And All I was right. saying this to you. He was my first ever interview. Mm. And the other person that I suppose connects us is Peter mm. Sage, who was my most recent interview. Yeah. She's just Peter was here like a few days ago. That's right. right. Yeah. It's, just, it's crazy how these things work out. Yeah. And um, you, you speak a little bit in the video about there was a, a, a senior um, authority in the, the in, in Goldman's mm -hmm. who said that you could be doing kind of more than, than what you were. Ah, I mean, right. 
right. <laughs> is, is there truth in that? Yeah, yeah of yeah, course, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't make it up. He just made it up. <laughs> it's, it it's is only a good soundbite. It, it, it is a true story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what do you think he saw in you that you could, um, the, this sort of potential that you could fulfill? Okay, so there's this guy that, you know, can't be named sure. for whatever. Actually, yeah, no, yeah. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I should probably track him down and reconnect with him because he... He gave me a lot of inspiration. So I had to deliver a speech in Goldman mm-hmm. and I was stressed out of my mind. Like mm-hmm. that morning, I didn't do any work. I remember I sat in that small room trying to practice and practice and practice. And then I got on a stage and I delivered. And I wouldn't say it was an, an amazing presentation, but I really pushed myself. And I remember that afterwards, he told me, um, look, man, like you should be working here. There's so many better things you could be doing with your life. And I'm thinking, this is the global head of one of the departments. How <laughs> weird that he's telling me this. Yeah. But he was a genuine guy. Mm. He was a genuine guy. And and he just told me, look, like, yeah, working here, cool, you make a bunch of money. Um, it's a, you know, it's fairly stable, but you could do so much more. We live in different times now. So he made me realize, like, I gave, I, I, I got, I got that permission from somebody at a high level yeah. to do my own thing. And hmm. when you are a young kid and you grow up in this environment of you know, post-communist Poland where when you see a fancy car, then most people assume it must be a gangster or a rich kid yeah. you know, with a rich father. Like, like there's no perception of you know what, you can actually work hard and you can build something and create success for yourself. Then sometimes you have this self-sabotage and whenever... Mm-hmm. The idea pops that you could do something bigger. You have this inner voice that tells you, wait a second, kid. What the hell are you thinking? Like, you? You're going to create that company? Are you fucking kidding me? Sit down and just get back to reality. Just keep doing what you are doing and, and forget about those dreams. So mm. that guy made me realize that I can actually take things to the next level. And I can shape my destiny, right? So mm. as cheesy as it may sound, but no, I mean, it's... it's, it's uh, you're right, yeah. It was a breakthrough, man, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I know firsthand that uh, leaving a, a, a normal job and diving mm. headfirst into entrepreneurship isn't quite as easy as it sounds. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> when you, we when talked you about first... when you picked me up at the airport, right? <laughs> That's it was, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, what was it like for you um, going from what was perceived mm. to be the kind of, you know, what would be for all intents and purposes a really good job mm-hmm. and leaving that and then uh, looking at uh, facing uncertainty and uh-huh. paying bills what was it like for you sure so so actually uh, to clarify wasn't that i left goldman and i went into entrepreneurship right away i did a bunch of other things okay uh, i even worked for a startup company at some point and okay. actually that was the last job i ever had the startup job in budapest actually okay so remember within within literally damn it was literally within one week I quit that job, and when I went to the CR, I still remember, I, I said, look, I, I, I have to quit. And he said, come on, mate, what are you doing? Why, why would you quit? We have future, the company is growing, like, we could make some solid money here. And I told him, look, like, I, I, I just can't work for someone else. Like, I appreciate everything. This is a great company. You guys will do very well. But I, I have a dream. I, I just got to follow my gut. And if I fail, I fail, right? So I quit that job and I remember that day I still had to like cross train some people, some of the things I was doing and and I remember people kept asking me, man, why are you smiling so much? You just lost your job. And I'm like, no, 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 I didn't lose my job. I purposely decided to quit my job to start something much bigger, right? <laughs> so, because <laughs> I kept smiling like crazy person. So people were confused. <laughs> and the same week I quit my relationship. 
Okay. And, and man, that was, I'm not sure if you can, if you ever had the situation, but that was three years together, probably went to like 20 countries together, mostly on budget. So that bonds you as well, oh. right? When you're trying yeah. to scrap the money. And so, um, so we experienced a lot together. And that was actually the only woman in my life ever that I considered marrying. Right? If she's watching this dash maybe wow <laughs> yeah but but actually this is this is the case right I really considered building future with her but at some point we realized that our paths were going separate ways right so mm. um she was more family oriented uh, and I was the crazy traveler I wanted to build businesses and travel the world and climb Himalayas and go to Andes and and when whenever something crazy is about to happen I'm in basically right so she needed that stability that I couldn't give her and I needed adventure and the unknown that she couldn't give me. So we decided, you know what, this is not working. No fight, no argument. We just decided, you know what, I still care about you, but we just have to go separate ways. Jeez. And that's probably, that's one of the toughest things. It's yeah. easy when someone pisses you off and that's it. Yeah, yeah. But it's not easy when you know that technically you could still be together, but you are on a different path. Yeah, anyway, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Not to delve too deep into it, but, but um, so I quit relationship. I quit my job and I went back to Poland and I went to see my family because I figured, okay, I'm, I'm about to start a new venture. Because um, before I start, I, I did a bunch of small entrepreneurial things that mostly, you know, didn't bring that much money or brought a little bit, but those things were not aligned with what I want to do, right? Like mm. importing stuff from the US or even as a kid, like selling things, uh, selling food on the streets, for example, okay. Poland or like employing telemarketers. I did a bunch of things, but I knew that this is the first thing, you know, for the first time I want to start a proper business. Mm. And I knew that when you start a business, it is tough. So I knew that I shouldn't be spending my savings, which were really, really small. So I moved in with my family. And that was kind of depressing because mm. as much as I love my family, going back to your hometown after you quit the relationship and you quit the job, you kind of feel like a failure. This small inner voice is telling you, man, like you failed, you failed at life because all of your friends are working for corporations mm -hmm. and you are here in your old bed where you essentially slept when you're 17, 16, 17 years mm -hmm. old. You have no income right now and you're trying to build something. And on top of that, you have no girlfriend now hmm. and you don't even have the time to go out there and to meet people. Yeah. So that was pretty Jeez. tough. You know, that beginning was pretty tough. But um, I learned over the years that it's in those situations where your character is is molded, right? When mm. you go through those tough times, you really, you really become um, uh, a true man or a true woman, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a lot of um, uncertainty and adversity to face. Yeah, sure. yeah. But so, but but he asked me so because I got so much into it. I I just realized your question was how <laughs> I felt moving from employment to entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. I I, I would say I would say um, lots of uncertainty, but also excitement. Mm. It's this weird mixture of feelings. Mm -hmm. But what I can tell you is that the moment I first my I made my first money online, I knew that I just can't go back. Yeah, I, I knew that was the moment when. I realized that it is possible mm -hmm. because um, many people talk about starting an online business, but until you make your first dollar online and you realize you, you open the dashboard on whatever platform it is that you're using or you open your PayPal and you, you see that one dollar or 10 bucks and, and somebody paid you for your product or service, yeah. that's when you truly realize, damn, this is actually possible. 
<laughs> what if I multiply it? What if I scale it? What what is really possible? Yeah. So um, when that happened, <laughs> when the first money was made, my I, I would say on that scale, you know, here is the fear and here is excitement. I started moving more towards excitement because I just knew what was possible. I love you it. Know? So yeah, that's yeah. so cool. <laughs> so I mean, how did, how did you feel, by the way? <laughs> oh man, tell um, me. Yeah, Please. I mean. It, Probably excitement at first, and then you go through the people might be familiar with the um, there's a sort of illustration, it's called something like the entrepreneurial roller coaster, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like genuinely, it's pretty much like one day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one day you wake up and it's the greatest decision you've ever made, and the next day you're just like, What have I done? Yeah, always bipolar, <laughs> you know. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but realistically, like the, the only um. The only upside, well, it's not the only upside, but for me, the, the biggest upside of having a normal job is having a reliable, steady income. Mm-hmm. You know, beyond that, the camaraderie with your your um, your mm-hmm. colleagues and that sort of stuff is good as well. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I, I enjoy this way of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the entrepreneurial... Uh, the entrepreneur. It's fun, right? It is fun. It's unpredictable, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> and no and no regrets, right? Because you, you're following your passion. And I feel like that's extremely important. Yes. Especially nowadays. Look, I, I'm not an old guy. I'm not a fifty years old guy, but but I remember when I got started, it wasn't that simple just to take your phone and make a bunch of videos and then sell them online. Like uh, Yeah. Like you needed to get a proper equipment. Like mm-hmm. phones were not capable of doing the video that's necessary to to sell a product. Yeah. So, but nowadays, anybody yeah, who man. would like to build, for example, um, <laughs> a media company, anybody yeah. can do it. You yeah. just need a phone. That's it. I mean, nowadays, pretty much every single phone has at least an HD camera. Many of them have 4K. 4K, yeah. Uh, and if you don't have one, you can just borrow one from a friend. You mm. can always find someone in your circle who will have one. Yeah. So. The crazy thing is that nowadays there's literally no excuse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so many opportunities out there. It's true, yeah. definitely. What, what inspired, I mean, you're obviously now a kind of prolific um, course designer and instructor. What inspired you originally to start making courses? Mm-hmm. That's a good question, man. That's actually, that's actually. <laughs> you're <hard>. welcome. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like it goes back to the time at the university, right? So there's this time where as I got more and more comfortable my, at my surroundings. Because first year at the university, I was like headless chicken, hmm. right? I, my accent was a bit dodgy. I spoke like typical Eastern European. <laughs> Hi, my name's Jimmy. I come from Poland. You know, it's uh, very good. And and it's also also on the top of that, I, I told you before, we were joking about it, that because I learned English, um, you know, like using dictionaries as well, dictionaries and then writing lists of words. Yeah, I learned all of those big words like cantankerous and, yeah. uh, and uh, pertinent and inextricable and all of those words. So I, I would I would use those <laughs> words in normal conversations. So imagine a guy making basic <laughs> mistakes with Polish accent using those big words. People thought I was taking the piss, but I just didn't know any other way, right? So so like I remember my good friend Mo uh, from Bahrain. He would always joke like, "Man, like you gotta stop this. You gotta you gotta realize that less is more." But but, but anyway, so first year was a bit was a bit you know trying to get into the environment. But then I would say the second year at the university, I got into it. I adjusted, and then I realized that people were asking me for advice on different things. And I, I think it came from the fact, not because I knew everything, but of course, what do you know when you're a 20 something years old kid? But I feel like I had this crazy curiosity about mm. life in general. Mm. And 
whenever there was a problem, I would dig deep and deep and ponder about it and ponder about it just to try to solve it. So there are many situations when one of my friends would come up to me and say, hey, I have a job interview tomorrow. How would you approach it? And it's not that I knew exactly how, but we would talk about it and I would ask questions and I would probe and then I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then the next day I would be like, hey, listen, uh, I thought about it. These are some ideas. They may not be perfect, they may not work, but these are the ideas. Next thing you know, they would use those ideas and come back, hey man, this worked, like this really worked. So then people started coming up to me asking for all types of advice, right? Oh, I have problem with this girl, what should I do? I have problem, uh, you know, with, uh, with this particular assignment, how would you approach it? Hey, I have to present on a stage, what would you do? And it's not that I knew the answers, but I was so engaged in trying to find a solution that in the process I would give people a lot of food for thought mm. and then they would think, oh, you know what, this is, this is an interesting point, right? And I feel like um, it also came from the fact very often we already know the solution to our problems. Deep inside you already know what you gotta do, right? Yeah. You have an issue, you know what you have to do, but you wouldn't admit it to yourself. And the reason is that you know that if you admit the real solution to yourself, it's often something that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's that uncomfortable activity, some action that would really push your comfort zone. So you self-sabotage yourself and that's why your brain doesn't consciously, can't consciously arrive at the solution. Mm -hmm. But when you ask somebody for advice, yeah. then I detach myself from any crazy uncomfortable activity that needs to be taken. And it's easier for me to think, um, you know, an objective way and say, you know what, this is what you have to do in my opinion. And then they realize, damn, I think you're right. So we started with that. And then at some point I realized, you know, I'm giving advice and, and food for thought to all of those different people. I'm learning along the, along the way. Why am I doing this one-on-one? -on -one? I'm wasting my time. Hmm. Why not put it on a video? Hmm. So that's when I started doing <laughs> YouTube videos. And by the way, my ex-girlfriend, she bought me this uh, flip camera for, for Christmas. And you know, if she's watching this, I guess I should look there, right? If you're yeah. watching this, thank you so much. You, you literally changed my life because that 100 pound camera changed everything. Now I had a tool and I was broke pretty much all of the time. Now I had a tool I could use. So I started posting different YouTube videos and many of them got traction. You know, at the first video, five views, 10 views. I, I would refresh like every day, 20 times. <laughs> and then I made some videos that got 10,000 views and 20,000 oh. views. And then I realized people are actually getting value out of this content. Mm -hmm. and. This is what propelled me at some point to get a proper movie crew and start building real products and build a real business around it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think there's often this um, fallacy that in order to teach people stuff, you need to be a black belt expert, mm -hmm. you know, which which isn't really necessarily the case. I think a lot of the times if you are, a, a, you know, to use jujitsu, a blue belt, you can teach uh, a white belt stuff exactly. because you're a little bit further down the track. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. But how did the things that you teach about become the things that you teach about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is it all based on personal experience? They are based on um, many different components, right? So personal experiences, books, research, mm. um, having mentors and, and, and talking to people from all over the world. So it's a mixture of different things, but there's a lot of personal experience. So um, I have this thing that people ask me sometimes, why don't you do course on X, Y, or Z? And I tell them, because I don't feel like I know enough. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know enough, then I don't want to be one of those imposters 
trying to pretend I know something, right? Even when I build the course, I feel like I know a lot about. I often tell people one of the first videos, guys, uh, just heads up. Well, just because I'm building this course for you doesn't mean that I know everything. So if you have any comments or you know better, please post a comment and let me know, right? Yeah. So, so I let people know when I get on big stage, right? I was in Japan recently and I get on a stage and I tell people, look, I'm gonna talk to you about the topic X, Y, and Z, but it doesn't mean I'm some fucking guru. Like I, I, I am not, yeah, I, I just exactly. share my experiences and I may be wrong sometimes and that's totally fine, but I'm mm. gonna share whatever I know to the best of my ability to give you value. And I like what you said about mm, not necessarily having to be a black belt. Yeah. I truly believe in that. Mm -hmm. Often what happens, and I'm sure you have this thing as well, when you become really good at something, say you become really good at playing guitar or in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and you are a black belt and you've been a black belt for, for five years, you think in your mind that what comes to you naturally, what's what's a no-brainer to you, is also a no-brainer for the people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But often we don't realize <laughs> that, so that people who try something for the first time, yeah. something that's a no-brainer for you is actually very difficult for them. So give mm -hmm. an example, like random example. I talk to people and I mention ra ra randomly hedonic adaptation, or I mention okay. Carl Jung, right, or, or, or Freud. And I just keep going, assuming that they know, because to me it's it's a no-brainer, it's my field. <laughs> yeah. But but nowadays I stop myself because I realize, well, for me it's a no-brainer, but they may not actually know who those people are yeah. or what that concept means. So I feel like teaching people and giving them value is about putting yourself in the shoes of uh, a person you're trying to teach. Just trying mm -hmm. to kind of reset what you know and ask yourself, okay, if I was to start from the beginning, I, I absolutely don't know anything. In fact, I'm not the best intellectually. My, my capacities are not amazing. What would I need to know to get started? And when you come from mm, this point of view mm -hmm. and focus on providing as much value as possible, mm -hmm. all the steps along the way, then you become a great teacher, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Like, awesome stuff. So it's another long topic we could delve <laughs> of into. We could probably do a podcast just on that. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> well, what I would say to people generally is just to check out your courses. You know, there's a lot of them out there and some of them are absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. I've got a Thank few you. of them on my my um, my uh, Udemy app. Awesome, I appreciate it. Myself. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for Thank sure. <laughs> In order to give a little bit of value to people who are maybe watching or listening, a couple of the things that you talk about, confidence and productivity. Yeah. Mm. I mean, maybe if you want to give a, a piece of advice mm. on each uh, as to you know what mm. could help people. Interesting. This is, this is one of those <laughs> funny questions because uh, I already have like so many ideas coming to my mind. <laughs> sure. But I always like to start, this is the saying that when you can do only one thing, right? But there are many things you want to do. Ask yourself a question. If I, if I were to pick one thing, which thing would make everything else easier or unnecessary? So I'm I trying to that. think about a piece <laughs> of advice that could actually help pretty much everyone watching this. Um, for confidence. I think, okay, I, I think an important piece of advice is that very often when we look at people in television, right? Or, or people see guys like us talking here in front of, eight cameras, because <laughs> yeah. you've got eight cameras here, which is crazy. <laughs> um, they assume, oh, those guys can do it. They are confident. They seem like they know what they are doing. Um, then they, for example, see sports figures and, and think, oh, this guy or that gal, they've got those amazing talents. 
but this is not me. I don't have it in my DNA. Look, the reality is that everyone has to start somewhere. Mm. And, um, and we have to stop underestimating ourselves and overestimating other people. The best way to do it is to actually realize that even very accomplished individuals have self-doubts and they have insecurities. Mm -hmm. And this is something I've learned along the years, especially in the last few years, as I've been meeting people at very high level from you know, high level trainers, best-selling authors, CEOs, and making friends with many of those people. Mm -hmm. I realized that um, everyone has insecurities, everyone has self-doubts. So often when we look at others, we think, oh, it's only me thinking about my own insecurities and everyone else has things sorted out in their lives. But this is not the case. And the moment you realize it, life becomes a little bit lighter. You know what I yes. mean? Because you, you no longer feel like you have to live up to certain standard. You, you, you realize, I, just, I, I can actually be myself. Yeah. If I make a mistake, if I if I have some fuck up, it's okay. We learn from failure. Nobody is perfect. Mm -hmm. Even people at the top, they are not perfect and they have those insecurities. Mm. Good example, my really good friend, three-time world champion in Thai boxing, Ilya well, Grad. You should get him on a on a on the interview, sure. by the way. Yeah, yeah. So so we did this course together about uh, mental and physical self-defense, right? And I asked him, hey man, you had more than 55 professional fights. How do you feel before your fights? Do you like? Do you still feel nervous? And he said, "Of course, man. Every single fight, I'm nervous. Mm. Like I, I, I feel it in my stomach. Mm -hmm. It is important. So, um, so when you when you realize that that people at all levels experience those feelings, mm -hmm. then they become more human in your perception. Therefore, it <laughs> takes away pressure from you. So I would say this is something. This is a cool yeah. reframe to do. Um, it is. And in terms of productivity, uh, this is interesting. I literally shot a course about productivity <laughs> in Prague a few days ago. So yeah. I have like a list of like 30 different things. <laughs> um, let me give you this. Let me give you, I think this will be valuable to people. You, are you familiar with the 80-20 principle? The Pareto principle? Yeah, exactly. I know it. Yeah, you know it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for the audience, uh, real quick, um, essentially Pareto principle says that 80% of the results or, or, or the outcomes in your life come from 20% of the causes, inputs, right? Efforts, mm -hmm. your time. So what it means is that essentially the majority of results come from the minority of causes. Very few things really matter. So this is the law of the vital few. It simply means very few things really matter. So when you look at your to-do list, for example, and you're thinking, oh, I've got 35 things on it. You got to ask yourself, okay, if I were to use 80-20 and ask myself, what are the most important things I have to do to make everything else either easier or unnecessary? What are mm. the things that could bring me a breakthrough in my life? What would I pick? Now, many people would respond, well, everything is important. Come on, I gotta do all of those things. <laughs> but, but you actually don't. You don't and, and, and you really truly know about it, but, but many people try to suppress that feeling, but actually you don't need to do everything, right? Mm. Some things are more important than others. So you got to look at the list and ask yourself, okay, so which ones would I pick? And then ideally, what's the easiest way is to take a different piece of paper and just write down 80 on one side and 20 on the other. And again, 80 means the unimportant, 20 means important. Mm. And as you go through your list, you try to assign each task to a different category, right? Mm. And then once you have that, then you get more self-awareness. Yeah. And as you go through the day, you can catch yourself when you are spending way too much time on those either counterproductive activities or low uh, value activities. And, and the moment you catch yourself, 
you can switch gears and realize, wait a second, I should be doing this. So, damn it, screw it. Let, let me finish. Let me jump into the high value activity right now. Mm-hmm. And one thing that helps is to set reminders on your phone. I mean, <laughs> yes. we've been laughing. We, we met your mom in the, in the kitchen downstairs. We had a conversation yesterday and and my uh, <laughs> for, for you guys watching this, my, my alarm was going off like all the time. So his mom has the same ringtone. So she was always like, oh, oh, someone's calling me. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 don't worry. This is just my alarm. So so Elliot asked me, what's going on? Why those alarms? And I shared with him, like, I, I literally have alarms that say, am I engaging in bullshit to avoid the important? So I set those alarms just to remind myself of, of what's important. And when you do the 80-20 analysis mm-hmm. and you get an alarm like this, then you get back to the present moment and you may realize, wait a second, I've been watching YouTube videos for two and a half hours. Where is it on my list? And then you realize, wait a second, it's underneath the 80, meaning this is not that important. What is truly important? Writing or producing videos or making sales calls, right? Or in your case, reaching out to potential guests, possibly. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, everyone is different. But but yeah. the point is, those reminders get you back on your path. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. You, you're so good when you go into teacher mode, Jimmy. You're now, just in I, your in your element, you know. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm really passionate about it. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and you know, the reason is, I honestly think we can design our lives to make them amazing. Yeah. Like we can literally do it. And, and I mean, man, it's just so many things to talk about here, but but literally everyone has a fucking power to right now just sit down and just do a download of the present moment and ask yourself, okay, how do I live my life? What are some of the things do I want that, that I want to change? Yeah. And then ask yourself if this was a movie, and I like like how Joe Rogan talks about it. If yeah, this was a movie not, and yeah. I was the underdog, <laughs> How would I design that perfect character? What would I start doing? And every single person has some answers now. For mm-hmm. example, say to yourself, you know what? Stop eating crappy food. Yeah. Let me go to the shop and buy a bunch of avocados and nuts. <laughs> Let me throw away all of the chocolate and candies. Yeah, First yeah. step, second step, sign up to the gym and, and mm-hmm. work out every day. Third step, let's, let me download a bunch of audiobooks on Audible. Yeah. Another step, you know, uh, make a bunch of friends with interesting, positive people. And there's so many things. So we all know already deep inside how to live perfect lives. Yeah. We just have to be reminded. And, and there, are those, there are those tricks, right? And those hacks, like the productivity hack, the 80-20, that yeah. you can use to just speed up the process. And I'm thinking, dude, life is, life is so short. Mm. Life is ending one minute at a time. Like literally right now, right now we are dying slowly. We aren't realizing it, but we are dying. Right, right after this interview, we're gonna be older. That time will never come back. So the question is, will you make the most of your day? Or will you just screw up with your time and, and live in regret in the future? I would say it's much better to embrace the self-discipline that's necessary to sit down, do the audit of your life, and just ask yourself, what the hell do I need to do to make my life better, right? So th- that's why I'm so Jeez. passionate about it. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> that's Joker willing mode. No, a joke is amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, because mate, if I if I did it like, I mean, I, I told you, right? I, I, I didn't speak any languages. I grew up in Poland, yeah. like no cash, limiting beliefs. And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, damn, man, like it was this close for me to right now be in Poland in some dead end job, not speaking any languages and just like living this like, um, basic life 
But what's the point? You get just one shot at life. There's another guy, you should actually read his book, David Goggins. Yo, Goggins, yeah, I've got his audio book. Oh, you have, oh, I love have, Goggins. have you started listening? Yeah, yeah man. Oh, man, I love awesome. oh, Goggins, I love that man. Guy. Guys, if you, if you haven't, just David Goggins. <laughs> the, the book is called Amazing. Can't Heart Me. Just, just get it. If, if you don't like it, like, no, you, you will like it. This is just not- It's part, amazing. There's no way you wouldn't like it. So, so what David says, he's a former Navy SEAL. He says, yeah. I imagine that when we die, you go to the heaven or whatever is there, you go in there and you meet your creator and whatever you believe in, if, you know, whether you believe in Jesus or something else, whatever you believe in, you will meet your creator and that creator will show you the life you were supposed to live. And, uh, and he said, look, David Goggins at some point was 50 kg overweight. Mm-hmm. And his job was to spray for cockroaches. That was his job. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and he had a ton, ton of limiting beliefs, you know, emotional problems. He was abused when he was a kid. Yeah, um, yeah. So he experienced a lot of racism, like proper hardcore racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL. He run ultra marathons. He raised millions of dollars for the charities. He inspired millions of people all, all over the world has a beautiful family. So he, he said, imagine that I went to my creator, to see my creator mm-hmm. as this 150 kilogram overweight guy spraying for cockroaches. Mm. And then my creator tells me, what the hell, what, what happened to you? Like, this wasn't supposed to be you. Look, I mean, I have a file on you. You were supposed to be a Navy SEAL. You were supposed to run 200 miles in one go. You were supposed to have a beautiful family. You were supposed to inspire millions. What the fuck happened to you? So, so that's how he views it. And um, when I listened to his book, I actually read it and then I listened to it right after. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of got me thinking because I have the same belief. It's just, I like the way he expresses it. You just, yeah. just got to grab life and, and make the most of every single day, man. That's simple, so, as simple as that. 100%. Man. So you, you had limiting beliefs in the past. Yeah. What's your self-talk now? You know, what, what does your, what's your mind saying to you? Self-talk. Um, first of all, I, I would like to say that I believe that the most important conversation you will ever have in your life is not the one you will have with one of your colleagues or your boss or your spouse or your kids. The most important conversations you will ever have are the ones you have with yourself, right? So the way yeah. you talk to yourself is extremely important. So it's cool you asked me this question because um, I think this is, the point where we screw ourselves up often, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We just talk rubbish to ourselves every single day. So in yeah. most cases, yeah. And I still do it from time to time. And I try to. It's it's a never ending journey. You got to work on your self talk. I feel like um, I feel like the most important thing is to create a very strong self identity, mm-hmm. right? And when you have a strong self identity and use it as a base then you start talking to yourself good, right? You're nourishing your brain. Hmm. You kind of put this good fertilizer in your brain. So I decided to create uh, an identity for myself. You know, back in the day when I was growing up in Poland, I, when I looked in the mirror, I saw this skinny kid with like, with those, I always had laughed, you know, el- elf ears, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now I don't even notice it. I kind of like them, but back in the day, <laughs> limiting beliefs, look at my ears, right? Um, so I had those limiting beliefs. I, I can't speak any languages. I have this weird accent and, uh, and uh, also I had some problems with my eyes. So when it got called out, blink all the time. So I had a bunch of like, like limiting beliefs and insecurities and I would focus on that. Mm. But we talked to Peter Sage a few days ago, right? Mm. He has this cool analogy that, you know, when you get into a jungle and 
you take a torch, yeah. you can either focus on some rat or some whatever, some cockroach, or you can yeah, focus yeah. on, I think he said that the, the bird given birth. Exactly, to, yeah, something right? beautiful, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. so, so I like the way Peter said it. And um, yeah. so your life is all about what you focus on. And I feel mm -hmm. like when you create a strong identity, mm. you're more likely to focus on the positives in your life. Therefore, you create that positive upward spiral. So I created identity for myself that I am a Spartan. Right, I am a leader who's willing to embrace the uncomfortable. Any step along the way to create massive impact in the world, like literally massive, massive impact. So that's my identity. So, so I started saying to myself those things. And whenever self-doubt creeps in, I just remind myself what's my identity. And it brings me back to the, to the center. Quick story, uh, quick situation. Sure. Uh, I did this mastermind with Alex D. Stefan, my business partner. We, we run masterminds all over the world. And part of it is we take people on different adventures. So we go to Himalayas. And when we are on Canary Islands, we take people on this climbing adventure. So you have those vertical cliffs going up 200 meters. And it's all fairly safe. I mean, fairly. Like people are, <laughs> it is safe. People have harnesses, but the, okay. the perception is that it's super unsafe. That's the perception. Yeah. We like the perception of danger. So I remember I was going first as the leader. And then Alex, as the second leader, was closing the group, right? And the guy who was uh, the most experienced guy, you know, we have the special guy who has been doing it for years and years. He was with me at the front and he said, hey, we're going to do something crazy today if you want to push your group to the next level. And I said, OK, let's do it. So he said, we're going to climb up to that cliff over there. So that was pretty high and pretty vertical. <laughs> but I said, sure, why not? So we went there. And as we were hanging off that cliff, literally holding those like metal spikes, just like really exerting a lot of energy just to hold yourself um, to, to that wall, he said to me, you see that metal swing? like metal, metal rope going down there. I'm gonna bring it here with another rope. You're gonna attach it to your harness. And then you're gonna, you're gonna literally unclip yourself from the wall and you will swing to the other side of the cliff. And as you swing, you will grab that cliff. Like there are those metal spikes. You go grab one of them, climb up, clip yourself into that cliff and let go of the metal rope so I can use it for other people. And I, my reaction was like, what the fuck? This must be a joke. Like this is because I never I've never seen anybody doing this. Not even this guy. He was just telling me what to do. But I, this rope looked dodgy. Metal rope swinging. Yeah. And um, so my heart is beating. I'm sweating, man. I'm sweating. And you don't want to be sweating when you have to hold on to the rope. Yeah, right? yeah. But I took that metal metal uh, rope. I, I attached it to my harness. And I honestly, I, I, I was a little bit paralyzed. I, I said to myself, I even feel it now just talking about it. I can feel those emotions. Now I look mm -hmm. down, I'm like, damn, like what if I smash myself into that cliff? So I said, like, what if I smash, smash into the cliff? I said, don't worry about it. You may hit it a little bit, but you'll be fine. You have a helmet anyway. And then at some point I reminded myself, as my heart was beating faster, I reminded myself of my identity. And I said to myself, wait a second, what is my why? Well, I'm a fucking Spartan. And I'm a leader for my team. And if I want to make a big impact in the world, especially those people who are with me down there mm -hmm. waiting for my next step, I got to be the leader for them. I got to embrace the discomfort so they feel more comfortable. And that was the moment when something clicked and all the fuel was gone. Yeah. And it was just a fucking purpose, just, just adrenaline and the feeling I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. 
And that's what I did. I swung to the other side and then I swung back and I swung a bunch of times trying to force myself to laugh out loud, shouting to people downstairs, guys, this is extremely amazing. This is beautiful. What a great feeling. You got to do it. Deep inside, shitting myself, <laughs> right? But as a leader, yeah. you got to project confidence on totally. your team. So I swung myself to the other side. And this is one of those things that, you know, reminding yourself of your identity really can really push you to the next level. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. How do you think other people perceive you? Um, that's a really interesting question. I think it depends on the context, depends on the situation. Um, I feel like I polarize a lot. Really? I feel like I polarize. So I feel like probably people watching this, I have a feeling that some people will look at me thinking, damn, I really resonate with this guy. I believe in what he's talking about. I like him. But I bet there will be some people who will think, ah, he's an asshole, you know? <laughs> which is okay, which is totally fine. I'm not here to please everyone. But I think my personality type is, mm, is to polarize. And, and one of the reasons is that I, I really try not to hold back. Okay. And we spoke about it, you know, before and yesterday. I believe in radical honesty, right? Whether it's in business or in personal life, the only thing you have in this life is your word, right? So, so there's no point of going around the bush, you say what you think. So same thing goes for this interview. Ask me any question, I'm gonna tell you the way I think about certain matters and not everyone may agree with them. But I think polarizing is important because um, if you try to please everyone, mm. you, you will not please anyone anyway. Everyone may kind of accept you, but you want to truly make a difference, right? So, and when you look at all the people who are out there spreading their message, um, they, they have haters. So, so yeah, I, I think, yeah, people perceive me in, in extreme ways, I yeah. would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? What, what, what was your perception of me <laughs> when, when you saw me for the first time? We kind of spoken, um, we did a Skype call beforehand, yeah, uh -huh. so I had some reference. It's always, because we, we speak about this, it's always strange when you've seen someone else's content, you've watched their videos and you feel as though you've already kind of got um, uh, some some sense of perception around yeah. how they are. You're probably mostly like how I thought. Yeah? Yeah, cool, I think cool. so, yeah, yeah. You're quite, uh, you're definitely kind of forthright. You, you say what you think. Mm. Um, and you definitely, there's a sense that you like to sort of lead, you know, take charge, give direction mm -hmm. in, a, in a good way though, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, definitely, but cool. yep, yeah. Jimmy, you're a lovely guy. You know, like <laughs> seriously, though, you I are. You're, you're a really good guy. I, I, I said that to my mum because um, I phoned her last night and I was just oh. like, lovely guy, isn't he? Awesome, awesome. Your, your mom is amazing, by the way. She's, she has so much, you gotta interview your mom. She has so much energy. I don't know if the world's um, ready for that. <laughs> but, but you know, the, the, the interesting thing you said, uh, you are kind of the way I thought you, you, you are. This is interesting because I have the same perception of you. And, and I think this is really important because the last thing you want is to be one person in front of the camera yeah, or yeah, when you yeah. do business or when you do an interview like this yeah. and then be another person in your in your personal life. And yeah, I feel yeah. like authenticity is everything. So yeah. I was filming <laughs> in Prague and, and the buddy who's filming with me told me, oh, can we make this video again? Because you, you were swearing in that video. And I usually don't swear that much unless I get really excited. And I said to him, look, man, like, this is who I am. Like I, I use that one swear word because I felt that emotion. He said, yeah, but 
Some people may get offended. I'm like, look, if they get offended, sorry, get offended. You don't need to watch it. I'm not gonna try to please everyone. I, I'm just being myself, right? Yeah. But I think this is important to embrace that authenticity and vulnerability as well. So yeah. authenticity from not just about all the good things about yourself, but also all the all the shit from your <laughs> past, right? So yeah. if you ask me about my childhood, yeah, sure, I, I, I will admit that I was scared to talk to people and I ran away from the stage one time. I think it's important to to just be raw and to be transparent because then when people meet you in real life, they realize, oh, he's the same the same person, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. I sometimes wonder about, not to make this about myself, but I sometimes wonder how people watching this kind of perceive me. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I I try as much as possible to kind of be my authentic self. Uh-huh. I definitely swear a lot more in everyday life, <laughs> but I feel as though it's not my part in this environment for yeah, me to yeah. swear mm-hmm. because that kind of energy can potentially kind of usurp the guest. Of course, I want yeah, to make yeah. it about uh-huh. the, the person rather than about myself. And I don't think me swearing is appropriate for that. You can I, swear all you I, like. I, I agree with you. And and this was just a small example. I mm. normally try not to swear actually, but <laughs> but sometimes when you get into you, yeah, know, you get into this passionate mode, sure. things just come out. And of I course. think when you start holding back, we, we joked about before, you guys, you don't know, but when we were testing the setup, <laughs> Elliot said, "Oh, do you move? Do you move around a lot?" I'm like, "Man, I move a lot." He said, "Oh, if you could stick in one place mostly because of the cameras of the zoom-ins." Yeah. And I told you, I said to you, "Can you zoom out a little bit?" Because yeah, if I have to think about being in one place, then part of my authenticity is gone already because I need to think about just being like this in one place. But I may yeah. actually move around. I may lean in. I may, and, and you know, it's <laughs> yeah. one of those things, right? Just, totally. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just gotta be yourself, man. Yeah, of course, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I love it. It's good. Love I, I, I'm, lo- I'm loving this so far. It's awesome. <laughs> good, and, and, and honestly, like now during the interview and, and when we talked before and yesterday, you seem like literally the same person that I've seen in those episodes that you've done. Like okay, the way thank you, you talk, and yeah. the same way of talking, same level of energy. So this is really cool, man. This is good to see. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I like, uh, I'm, I'm glad you think so. And I appreciate you saying that. So yeah, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some questions for you sure, that yeah. are maybe go a little bit deeper, you know, some of the of real course, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of meaty stuff, which I, I love to talk about. First one is all about purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of yourself, why do you think you've been put on this planet? What do you think your mm-hmm. purpose is? Very good question. By the way, this is this is one of those questions I think everyone should ask themselves. Yeah. So, in fact, I would say uh, I'm not sure if you've done it before, but for the audience, good experiment would be as you are watching this. After my answer or before my answer, you pause the video and answer the question for yourself. Listen to your gut feeling, don't overthink it. Just first thing comes to your mind. Imagine you're sitting here, so you don't have the time to think and just spit out whatever comes to your mind. If you do it with every single question like this, you won't only learn something new based on our conversation, but you will learn something new based on what's in your head already, right? The self-awareness. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> for me, my purpose, um, I feel like because of the way I grew up, right? Uh, and again, like uh, I have those moments every day when, like literally every day when when I think about my life. In fact, I'm going to Bali in a few days, and and like what I'm gonna be doing there, and like this, all all, all those things that are happening now. I told you about yeah, before yeah. the interview. It's just blowing my mind because in in the past this wouldn't have seemed possible. Mm. 
So I, I realize that many people have limiting beliefs that are really holding them back. And mm-hmm. I used to have those when I was younger. Fortunately, I discovered personal development early enough and I realized that those limiting beliefs are mostly BS, right? Mm. They're, they're what they are, limiting beliefs. They're not the reality. And, uh, and that's when I started shaping my life. So, but I went for a lot of pain and I see nowadays in many places around the world, I meet so many people who still have those limiting beliefs. Don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect. I still have limiting beliefs, but mm-hmm. now I'm self-aware. Mm-hmm. But I see people who want to do something. They want to publish, for example, content online. They would like to start a podcast or interview series like this one. Maybe they want to start a, a vegan restaurant or whatever the hell it is. And something is holding them back because their self-worth is not high enough to justify them succeeding. Mm. And, and for me, one of the most beautiful feelings in the world is to see someone transform, right? From having those limiting beliefs, from looking in the mirror thinking, what I see is a piece of shit. I I don't want to be that person, Mm -hmm. right? And then transforming to somebody who looks in the mirror thinking, you know what? It's literally up to me. Like everything is up to me. I, I can create whatever life I want. So that feeling drives me. And, and, and for that reason, I feel like my purpose on this planet is to help as many people as possible to create a situation where they take those limiting beliefs and they see them for what they are. They realize that most of them are just self-imposed limitations. They are not real. And helping those people to figure out what they truly want to do and then just go after it as if there is, you know, as if, as if life may end you know, 30 days from now, just, mm-hmm. just going after those dreams that, 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 um, that you have. Uh, this really drives me. And I want to impact as many people as possible all over the world. So this is one of those things that um, whenever I get a bit tired, right, I have some self-doubts. Maybe I'm, I'm jet-lagged after three flights in a row and I just don't feel like doing something. I don't feel like getting on that stage, right? When I went to Tokyo, for example, I, I took like three flights. And then I was getting on that big stage, like almost thousand Japanese people there. And there was a moment when I felt, damn, I'm so tired. But then I realized, wait a second, what is my purpose? My purpose is to help as many people as possible. Now I have the best platform. I'm, I'm on this huge stage with a microphone with a ton of people there. I got to give my best. It's not about me anymore. It's about other people. Mm-hmm. And then bam, you know, what is my identity going back to it? raising the level of energy and then you get on a stage and you do what you got to do so um yeah this really drives me man you're such a driven guy yeah i just want to i just want i think i think goggins talks about it i love the way he talks about it he says look motivation is great but if you really want to make a difference you got to be fucking driven man. (laughs) because motivation will you know it it comes and it goes and comes and goes and you get to work on it right but if you are driven, if you have a sense of purpose, and mm. when you have a mission in life, mm-hmm. when you know why you are doing what you are doing, then it's a game changer. Then psh, you just feel wired all the time. I mean, I mean, some of your guests. I mean, Peter was here, so first person that yeah. comes uh, to mind. Uh, Martin as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. So those guys, those guys, whatever you think about them, you gotta say they're fucking driven. They have energy. Mm. They. They always seemed on because they know what they want, right? And um, and it's interesting to see that. Yeah. And, and, and and wanting to add, look, I got to tell you, for example, last year, 
I had a moment when mm, I didn't feel at my best. This is part of the vulnerability, right? I could okay. pretend that I always feel amazing, but last year I had some some situations where I just for some reason I kind of I lost my purpose for a moment. Even though I was doing all of those speaking gigs and traveling around, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just felt a bit tired. I wouldn't for sure. I wouldn't call it anything close to depression, but it's more of a this I don't know this like melancholic burnout? weird feeling. Burnout. So, Maybe a bit of born out because mm. I, I, there was a point where I traveled like nonstop. I did four continents in three weeks. Oof. Like I, I traveled and, and there's this point where I was like, man, like I just, I don't know. Like I just didn't, f- I, I, I don't feel like myself. And I kind of lost my purpose, right? I kind of got sucked into like just going around, going through the motions. And recently I kind of recalibrated what my true purpose is. And I sat down and I once again defined where I want to be five years from now, Mm -hmm. 10 years from now. And once I got familiar with that, once again, once I grounded myself now with a true sense of purpose, I got to tell you, man, every day I just get up and I'm on all the time I'm on because I know I I know what I want. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, when I didn't know, when I lost that purpose, Mm. I didn't have that energy. Yeah. So so when you define your why. Uh, Simon Sinek talks about it. Really, does, really yeah. cool books he has, mm-hmm. and, and cool speeches. Recommend them. Um, when you define your true why, mm. it's kind of like that that beacon of light far in the distance. And uh, totally. And whatever happens here, it may be a bit stormy. Like you know, you know that something's there waiting for you, right? Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> this is something that I've been meaning to ask you, and I haven't mm. yet got to it, so I'll do it now. I mean. For me, Edinburgh is like my spiritual home, mm-hmm. which is to say that I could never, probably never envisage myself living anywhere but here. Oh, wow. You know, I've traveled all over the world, but this is where I live. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> for the last nearly six years, you've been traveling nonstop, never being in one location for more than a handful of months, like a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever foresee yourself living in just one place? And, and yeah. you know, subsequent to that, mm-hmm. where would it be? <laughs> Interesting. Um, I gotta tell you one thing for sure. I'm coming back to Denbura. Yeah, I, I would actually consider, here, man. <laughs> dude, I would actually consider yeah. getting a place here for like at least like a month or two months. Yeah, the seriously, because many like beautiful areas around the city to explore as oh, well, totally. the hills yeah, and yeah. all the outdoorsy stuff. But but uh, to answer your question, uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, I had this tingling for traveling. And I remember when when I was a teenager, I would literally look at the globe and I would just point with like my small finger at all of those different places. And I would just ponder how would it be to visit those places one day. So I, I, I have the personality of an explorer. I love adventure on a big scale and small scale. So even here in Edinburgh, I could walk around with Google Maps and, and a guide. But instead, I, I chose to just get lost. Like yesterday, yeah. I, I got some directions from your mom, but then I just started walking randomly, probably walk 20K. So I just I would just walk around and just get lost because I love the feeling of, oh, this uncertainty of what I'm going to see. Maybe some castle, maybe, or maybe I'm going to see some random neighborhood, whatever. Maybe I'll see some river. I love that. And, and so I always wanted to travel. And when I started, people would tell me, ah, you're going to get bored of it at some point. And I never got bored of it, man. Like I, I like I, I love it. It's my passion. Um, so after all those travels, you know, six years nonstop, seventy plus countries, um, I definitely see myself having bases, 
right? Mm -hmm. So 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 having, for example, plays in Bali for long term, but I cannot see myself not traveling. I yeah. just I just can't I just cannot envision life without exploring. Okay. I I, I can't. I just uh. can't. You know, I, I I could, for example, see myself having a place, but still. I feel like I would need at least a few solid months of exploration every year. Okay. And and part of it is that I know how much you learn when you travel. And I feel like traveling to remote places is one of the best ways to to be happy in the present moment and to be happy about small things in life. And the way it works is when you travel, when you go into the unknown, you're just resetting your frame of reference, yeah. right? By the way, Joe DeSena talks about it a lot, uh, the, the founder of the Spartan, Spartan Race. race. Yeah. Um, he talks about th- this concept of toughening yourself up. Also, mm-hmm. all the Navy SEALs, like, you know, it's, it's a really cool concept that I believe in. I've believed in it for many years. When you travel to remote locations, so you go to a place like, I don't know, you go to Tanzania or you go to Cambodia or you mm-hmm. go to Brazil or Colombia, there is a lot of unknown. Right, lots of moving pieces, lots of things that could potentially go wrong. Different language, different culture. So you expose yourself to something new, and because of that, you gotta adapt. Mm-hmm. You gotta challenge your assumptions. Right? Mm-hmm. When you go on one of those crazy adventures, say you go to the Himalayas, when you hike up to five or six thousand meters, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, after three weeks, whatever whatever you know, hotel room you get in a regular city, you'll be so grateful for that bed. You'll be so grateful for that warm shower because on the mountain there's no warm shower. You just you either you either don't shower or you do what I did. You do Wim Hof breathing and you take ice cold shower, man, on five thousand meters. Yeah. So 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 when you toughen yourself up like this, you reset your frame of reference. Yeah. So so when you go back to reality and you go back to your base, in your case, you come back to Edinburgh. You're sitting in this. Beautiful armchair. You sit for 50 years old armchair. It's super comfortable. You sit and you just feel it with every single you know inch of your skin. You feel how amazing it is because you've been walking 40 kilometers per day, per day over the last uh, 30 days, for example. So um, I feel like this is one of the biggest lessons that that com- comes from traveling. You travel. You reset that frame of reference. You challenge your assumptions. You see the world. You realize that. People are different, but the same, yeah, right? Yes. In many ways, and it just makes you grow as a person. So yeah, man, I, I would never give up on traveling. I think, yeah, I, I just, dude, I just cannot imagine now. Do you think this, is there something kind of you know? If I was a psychologist, I might say something like, "What are you running from?" But I mean, is there is there something addictive about traveling? You know, it's funny. You know, it's it's funny uh, because <laughs> this is this is funny, right? Because. There, so, okay, so when I when I coach people, for example, right? Yeah. Sometimes I I do the same thing. I ask people, what is the reason for you engaging so much in this particular activity? Sure. Right. Yeah. Because often often obsessions mm-hmm. come from insecurity, for example, or come from some type of trauma from the past. Yeah. 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 For example, you see a a big guy at the gym, a big bodybuilder. You know, often it comes from the fact that he got bullied back at school and. And he needs to overcompensate. Yeah. In some cases. Yes. But not in all cases, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I feel like in my case, mm, I had situations when I lived in one place before, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not that I felt trapped, but I just felt like there's so much more. It's kind of like Grant Cardone says, right? People say, "Oh, you're obsessed with work," but he says, 
man, there's nothing wrong with this. <laughs> I, I'm not obsessed because I'm missing something. I'm obsessed about fulfilling my potential. I know that the human potential is unlimited and I just want to fulfill my potential. Same, same thing with Elon Musk. Is Elon Musk mm. running away from something? People may say yes. I personally think Elon Musk has a huge why and sees tremendous potential and wants to change the world, right? So, so in my case, I feel like it's more of a, not necessarily running away from something, it's just the feeling of I've got one life and I want to experience a lot and I want to put myself through all of the trials and tribulations of life that the travel can bring, right? Mm. And, and also as a content producer, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that as a person who's teaching other people, sharing my experiences, I want to expose myself to as many things as possible, whether it's meeting people like yourself, reading books, reading research, um, you know, traveling all over the world, engaging in crazy adventures from climbing mountains to jumping from cliffs or doing, you know, Thai boxing sessions. Anything that can, that can make me learn more about the world and myself so I yeah. can take it, mm-hmm. mold it with what I already know yeah. and, and share it with my audience, right? Because yeah, yeah. otherwise, if I just sat in one place and comfortable, I don't think I would learn that much personally, you know? But again, I recognize everyone is different. Everyone has different style, right? Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, yeah. not to get too deep into it, but based on the sort of conversations that we had had previously, you are incredibly culturally aware. You know, you do see things with a very balanced view because you've seen so much. I think that's a brilliant thing. Our traveling yeah. is the best university, honestly. <laughs> I think if everyone traveled a little bit, the world would be a better place. Yeah. The world would be a better place because... Mm. Um, I mean, often what happens, quick quick situation, back in Poland, remember, I was in Poland, uh, lots of racism, right? I mean, I even mm. experienced racism. I mean, how crazy, right? <laughs> uh, but but lots of racism, there are times where, even when my father came from South America, my mom was being called a bitch. She was being called a gold digger, even though my father had no money. He was studying medicine that would bring him peanuts back in Poland. But she was, she was called those names back at the university because people were very hostile towards anybody who was foreign, right? Jeez, okay. So, so like we, we had a bunch of experiences in my family like this. And, and, and especially if you're a, a black person coming over to Poland, now it's way better. But back in the day, it wasn't like this. But I vividly remember one situation where I remember I, I, I came back after being in the UK for a few years. I lived in London, Birmingham, and uh, I met some old friends and, and we were crossing the road and there's some Asian people, um, you know, crossing the road and and they start making some dumb jokes, like like trying to imitate Chinese and and I just kept like shaking my head, like what the hell, this is this is crazy. But I also uh, know people who grew up in the same city who moved abroad, went mm-hmm. to places like Norway or went to the UK, and their perception totally changed because they got a chance to work with people coming from all all places in the world. And, and that gave them the opportunity to realize that we may be different, but we are actually very similar. Mm-hmm. And I actually feel like when you look across the globe, you look at different nations, we have more commonalities than differences, mm-hmm. right? As I traveled from, you know, places like Cambodia, right? Kosovo or mm-hmm. places like Transnistria that's not even recognized by most countries, right? I went to places like that. And then you meet local people there you realize, man, those people there, they have the same dreams. They've got the same fears. 
the bottom line is this most people just want to live a fucking peaceful nice life <laughs> yeah. right most yeah. people just want to live a good life have a nice healthy family be able to provide for them and just be happy mm-hmm. and this is what connects us mm. but very often when we get into the politics which I, I yeah. wouldn't want to get in during this interview because I actually <laughs> hate politics but but when we get into the politics of things then then uh, very often politicians divide divide nations and what yeah. happens is we have certain assumptions about other nations and uh, it's easy to judge right it's easy to point fingers and, and make assumptions that you are like this you are like that uh, you guys screwed up because of it without mm. realizing that whatever is happening on the global arena has nothing to do with real people yeah it has nothing <laughs> to do with real people yeah just because you know president of a country fucked up doesn't mean that people in that country are bad people and and what i noticed is that yeah you go you go to many places where you know perhaps the government is not the best government ever right mm-hmm. but then you meet local people and they are caring and they are nice and and mm-hmm. and some of the most impactful situations are when you travel to a really poor country and you meet a local person mm-hmm. and you know that you probably make literally 150 times more money than they do every month mm. and they invite you for dinner mm. and you want to kind of you, you want to do something you want to pay them back you want to give them a gift you want to do something and they wouldn't accept it they just wouldn't accept it they they say you are you are our guest and we don't want anything from you we are happy to give you what we have and this is this just warms your heart it makes yeah. you realize that people are actually really caring most people are really caring and most people are good deep inside mm-hmm. it's just news uh, you know portrays like yeah. anyway we, Dude, we could talk about it for hours <laughs> I want to get on a rant now but <laughs> no, yeah no, you know, at all man but yeah. you're 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 100% right and I had this conversation with someone recently that we mm. exist in like this is us we are here you mm. know everything that the media is telling you it's not necessarily how it actually is, oh, you know. Oh, 100%. Go and interact with real people. <laughs> oh, ex- exactly, you know? exactly, absolutely. Because what gets the views? The drama gets the views. Exactly, right? I know. Yeah. I know. If, if if somebody did a news program about the fact that uh, there's an amazing circle of young <laughs> entrepreneurs who created this charity event and they are all selling lemonade now on the streets, nobody wants to watch that. Which is. But frankly it, absolutely yeah. tragic yeah that that's the world in which we live you know but man if the plane crashes guess what the plane crashes and suddenly it's all over the news and 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 <laughs> that's the funny thing right one plane crashes but it's it's covered by every single news station for yeah. weeks yeah so when you keep watching the news every day your brain cannot distinguish whether it's just one event or 150 different events yeah and then what happens is that we get into this paranoia thinking that the world is such a dangerous place and yeah. i will never get on a plane because all the planes crash it's just one damn plane in two <laughs> yeah. years yeah but it was covered by so many stations exactly that the perception is it, it's happening all the time yeah it's kind of like with traumas right you have a trauma in a childhood um you were say 10 years old and the teacher told you uh, take the book and go in front of the class and you don't want to do it and then the teacher forces you so you get in front of the class you get the book and you want to read it and, you, and the words wouldn't come out uh, 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 and you get all weirded out and then everyone is laughing and the teacher tells you go and sit down you get one right so you sit down you, you feel you feel traumatized yeah and what happens you end up relieving that situation in your brain hundreds if not thousands of times mm. so what happens when you're 25 years old and you have to deliver a presentation and the company you started working for 
what happens? The moment you look at the stage, your brain remembers that situation multiplied by fucking 5,000 <laughs> times you went through it in your brain. You created that crazy neural association between the stage and that, that weird feeling you feel and now you're panicking. And um, so, so it's crazy, right? So uh, that's kind of how news work in many, yeah, many ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. <sighs> Took me started. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good, we gotta make more videos tomorrow. We gotta YouTube, make, definitely, man. We gotta 100%. make, by the way, I, I'm gonna put you on the spot now, but whoever's watching this, you've done what, 75 episodes, right? <laughs> yeah, I think you're, I think you are number 75. Awesome, cool. So lots of content and, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to push Elliot actually. <laughs> Extreme accountability. I'm trying to push Elliot and let us guys know what you think in the comments. But I feel like he should publish a course online. And in fact, I don't think he should publish a paid course. I think he should publish a nice structured free course for now for all the subscribers so they can get more familiar with him because he has some really interesting stories and insights. and. And now you're mostly focused on interviewing people, but you yourself have mm -hmm. really interesting insights and, and knowledge to share. So I feel like everyone watching this would be super interested in seeing, you know, like an hour of videos just by you for your audience, sharing okay. some of your best tips. So yeah. just, just you know, because uh, you, <laughs> you, you said now, don't get me started, because I know we could talk for like 10 hours now. <laughs> yeah. So why not? We should do it and just film it. Yeah, and, you're right. And, and then you have your course done, man. Awesome. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Accountability, right? Yeah, absolutely. Put, putting you on the spot. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Jimmy. What would you like? <laughs> what would you like your legacy to be? Ah, my legacy. Hmm. Really good question. Once again, you know, I recommend everyone ask yourself the same question. This is a really good question. It's a difficult one, in a way. Um, I, I feel like. The legacy would be the change I managed to create in the world. I believe in, I, 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 I believe, you see, I'm, I'm not the native speaker, right? I believe, <laughs> <laughs> I believe that there is, there's something called the ripple effect and it's powerful, right? Or the snowball effect, you can call it. So what I want to create is, I want to create this ripple effect that's going to keep working even when I'm gone, right? So I want to trigger changes around the world in terms of the way people view themselves and their limiting beliefs and what they are capable of, but also in terms of uh, something more tangible, right? So, so um, how people use some of the things that I talk about in my videos to create more sustainable businesses, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Or to help one another a little bit more and how this can keep going when I'm gone, right? I wanna have that impact. so. So when I'm gone, my impact will keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger because of that ripple effect. I'll say when, I, when I'm gone, and you can never predict when you will be gone, right? I, mm -hmm. I mean, it could happen anytime, could happen mm -hmm. today, could happen tomorrow, or hopefully eight years from now. But I would like to know if I could kind of look back at the world from wherever I'm gonna be. Uh, I would like to know that that ripple effect contributed to me helping not even thousands, millions, like millions, mm. man, millions of people, millions of people and animals as well. I'm really big on animals. I love animals and uh, I haven't eaten meat since I was 13. I had some uh, moments when Jeez. I just went back to eating chicken a few times, but then, you know, uh, this is a like topic for a separate podcast, but, 
but it's just um, yeah it's just pissing me off how cruel we are sometimes as a society we we don't think what we are doing to the planet as well and to living beings we look at meat as a something that's packaged and uh, we forget about all the suffering that's behind it right mm-hmm. we, we we choose to feel comfortable and not to think about what's the was the truth that you know we we are essentially torturing animals for months and months in small cages just to kill them. Don't get me wrong, I have no problem with the cycle of life. Old granny has a bunch of chickens and a cow and a farm. Chickens and a cow live a decent life and then one day, that's it, you know, they have to go to provide the food for the family and, and maybe to sell some of the meat makes sense. What doesn't make sense is to fucking torturing living beings without truly understanding what consciousness is, right? Mm. I, I mean, we could get really deep into it, but, but you know, we have more and more studies and we start understanding more and more what truly consciousness is. And, and we truly don't know how conscious animals are. Mm. Yeah, and it geez. would be a fucking shame if one day, maybe 10 or 20 years later, we realize that they are actually extremely conscious beings and what we have been doing, you know, killing billions of them every year in, in, in humane conditions was a big mistake. So, um, yeah, so anyway, my legacy helping both people and help all the living beings to, to just, just, just to have a better quality of life and to yeah. fulfill their true potential. Yeah. yeah. That's a great answer. It's amazing what you mentioned there to do with animals. I mean, I've got a pet cat that I love dearly, mm-hmm. Enzo. He's a pedigree Maine Coon. And um, <laughs> I was looking at him, literally looking at him last night, and I was like, I wonder if he knows that he's going to die one day. Interesting. You know? uh-huh. And I wonder whether, like, and it's, it's slightly morbid, but like when he um, is getting towards the end of his life, Hmm. And he knows that he's going, well, you know, you might not necessarily know, but he's, yeah. he's dying. Will he know what's actually happening to him? Yeah. Interesting. You know? That's really interesting. Yeah. So and that, that, this is, the, as you say, the nature of consciousness with animals. As far yeah. as we know, we're the only beings that are actually aware of the fact that we are going to die. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, when, when pigs go, when pigs are in the slaughterhouse, pigs are very smart. And they know what's gonna happen. They, you think so? they pigs like they already know what's gonna happen, and I mean, not even talking about the ethical aspect. One of the reasons why I don't eat meat is because loads of antibiotics, loads of bullshit, you know, that that's being fed mm-hmm. to those animals. But also, when a pig can hear other pigs getting slashed there, Oof. and the pig is constantly stressed because they force feed those animals. They live in small spaces. If you put a bunch of humans in a small space, they go crazy. Same thing with animals. You put a bunch of animals in a cage for a few months, they go nuts. So all the stress is building up, all the cortisol is being released, and then you end up eating that. So, um, but that's just interesting, you know, the the consciousness. One thing, and look, I I don't want to go too deep into it, because as much as I believe in this, I I don't want to turn this podcast into animal rights thing. But (gasps) I want to mention one thing, because I feel like that's, Important. I, sure. Yeah, yeah. I love people to hear this for just for a few minutes to consider. When you look at your dog or your cat, you would never consider eating it. Mm-hmm. But then, um, but then there's a pig, there's a cow, there's a horse, and often we consider, oh, these are the animals that are supposed to be eaten. It's conditioning. It's mm-hmm. all conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. I bet that if we brought a small pig to this house or a small cow, and we kept it for a few days here, we would give it a name. 
there's no fucking way anybody would want to eat it. Mm-hmm. Nobody would want to eat it because now it's John. Yeah. It's not yeah. just a piece of yeah. meat, it's John. <laughs> and you see that John is getting stressed when you even push it a little bit. And just the, the, the thought of like torturing it and cutting it into pieces, it, it, it's, it's yeah. just crazy, it's morbid, right? So, mm-hmm. but again, it's just the perception. Yeah. Um, so I feel like part of the reason why often um, we are inhumane to animals and to other people as well is because we don't treat them as living beings, mm-hmm. right? It's easy to see someone starving on the street and being cold in minus 10 temperatures and not do anything about it because uh, guess what? I, I'm busy, I gotta do my thing. But if you knew the name of that person yeah. and if you knew their life story and you like you knew what they went through, bam, something would click and you realize, mm-hmm. oh, it's a human being. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we don't want that. Mm. We don't, we wanna protect ourselves from that, from that sensitivity because we are afraid of the feelings we will feel. And, uh, and, and, and we all know how it works, right? I mean, I had this t- today. Uh, I'm at this store, right, and um, what's the name? Sainsbury's. Mm-hmm. And I see the lady sitting there on the street, the homeless lady. And as the lads behind the counter, I'm like, yo, do you, do you know this lady? Is she, like, if I give her something, will she actually use it to buy some food? And they said, oh, if you buy her some food, she would actually, yeah, she would appreciate it. Like, we, we know her. So I got her some food, right? And I gave her the food and she was really smiling. She said, oh, thank you so much. And this is great, right? She feels good, I feel good. But I gotta tell you, when I was walking, I was supposed to come back here. And then as I see other homeless people, something already clicked. And now I see more of them and more of them. And I wanna give more. Yeah. And the more you give, the more you wanna give. Mm. And then you realize that if you were to stop at you know, every homeless person, yeah. you'd never live your life and you would run out of money as well. So, so I feel like many of us try to protect ourselves from that feeling by just getting desensitized and not noticing the problem at all, right? Yeah. It's easier to go to the store and see a nicely packaged red meat and just forget where it comes from. Oh yeah, yeah. Fry it or bake it or whatever you do with, with that meat and, and just eat it and, and that's it. But you know deep inside where it comes from and you know that if you explore that part of the world, it's so, um, so inhumane that it's gonna change something about your life and the way you view the world. And that's gonna be uncomfortable because it is uncomfortable to change how you live. Yeah. When you, especially when you're a guy and you train at the gym, right? It's, it's pretty tough to suddenly stop eating meat, right? I mean, mm. it's, it's, I think it's not that tough, but mentally for most people it is, right? So we, we don't wanna allow yourself to get to that point. It's easier to forget about the problem. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this definitely. could be viewed in the context of many different areas of your life, right? Yeah, definitely. As I said at the beginning, often we already know what we have to change in our lives, mm. whatever it is. You, mm-hmm. you may know that you should be exercising more, or you may know that, damn, if I really wanna get into that university, I should read more. Or perhaps you know that there is an issue in your family, and, and you know that what it takes is just to have a few solid conversations with your family members. We deep inside we already know, mm. but often we we push those things away from our awareness to protect ourselves yeah. from the discomfort of realizing what's truly happening. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's kind absolutely. of like the with the matrix. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, yeah, it's, I suppose it's creating separation where there should be connection. Mm-hmm. You know, to yeah, to yeah. remove ourselves from it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Dude, it's one of... <laughs> it's one of those questions where <laughs> part of your brain knows it may it may come up. Yeah. Because... Um, <gasps> It's it's a quite pop. It's a really good question. It's quite popular, like Tim Ferriss and all yeah. that. But to actually think about it in the moment and answer it, that's a bit more tricky. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you. So you reframe the question, perhaps. Are you asking me about specific piece of advice from someone? Are you asking me in general, like combination of of advice I got from people? What, um, I, I, I kind of try to leave it entirely open to your own interpretation of what the question means. Uh -huh. I suppose if you think about the intention of the question, it's what can you tell other people that would be of help mm -hmm. in their lives? You know, um, which which is very sort of generic. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's cool. Which, yeah. it, and, and maybe uh -huh. it's not always the best um, the best way of looking at it. That's kind of how it's intended. Mm. But if you want to kind of take a different approach uh -huh. to it, I'm not going to stop you. Because I'm thinking <laughs> specific, if I was thinking about the specific thing, I'm not going to even go into the story because we talked about it. This guy from Goldman Sachs. Yeah. Uh, basically, everything he told me, the bottom line was that uh, the advice he gave me was simple. Look, you are capable of more than you think you are. There are other options out there. And you don't need to follow the crowd. You just don't need to follow um, whatever it is that the society tells you have to do. Yeah. So just because everyone wants to work for a corporation doesn't mean you have to do it. There are other ways. And naturally, when you are in this environment, you may not see other ways because everyone is doing the same thing. Yes. So yeah. open your mind, think outside the box and realize like that pretty much for whatever personality type you are and for whatever passions you have and whatever makes you tick, there is some type of career you could pursue that you can feel successful at and you can mm. contribute to the world in some way. Mm. So I would say, yeah, that's like when we're talking about real advice from a real person, <laughs> probably that was, yeah, that was most impactful. And uh, yeah, yeah, man, I think, yeah, yeah that one, yeah, that like one it. comes to mind. That Perfect. one comes to mind. Mm. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to speak to your 20 year old self, what would mm. you say? 20 years old self. How was I when I was 20 years old? Yeah. <laughs> probably sit myself, I would probably take myself, first of all, for a crazy three hour Navy SEAL like workout. Yeah. And, and, and kind of through that, show myself, my younger self, that my limitations are just self imposed. And when you feel like you give your all, you still have a lot in you. So probably I would frame the conversation like this, like I would say, you're gonna go for a run. And uh, I would just probably push myself to the next level. And then as I would sit down with my younger self, who's already like destroyed physically, just thinking how the hell is it possible that I've done what I've just done with my body? I didn't think this is real. I'd probably use that state to let myself know that, listen, kid, you're 20 years old, People trying to act serious around you, right? Everyone is trying to think about the future and the job and all the, the which corporation you're gonna go into and everyone's trying to act tough. Mm. But the bottom line is your life is short and you shouldn't take yourself and life so fucking seriously. <laughs> yeah. 
life is just like a game, right? Hmm. You control the main character, have fun with it. Just have fun with it. Don't take yourself too seriously. You will make mistakes. Some of the biggest mistakes will serve as the biggest lessons for you. And when you learn, when you, when you realize it, then suddenly um, what, what's going to happen is you will have the lightness about you. And you shouldn't view certain decisions in your life as totally life altering. Like, oh, whether I will work for this company or that company, let me stress about it for two months because it's going to totally change my life. No, don't stress about it. Mm-hmm. Make your gut decision and just let the outcome happen for itself. And just don't stress. Be light about it. Realize that even if you make a mistake, it's going to lead to some learning experience. And we have this saying, right? Everyone always says, oh, mate, you will laugh about it one day. Why wait to one day? Why, <laughs> why wait for a year or two? <laughs> laugh now. When something bad happens, you broke your leg, uh, you lost the job, business went down. You may as well laugh about it now. I mean, why? obviously, be human. First reaction, yes, you feel devastated. But... Give yourself a nice cry for a few hours, but then just just brush yourself up. Just just get up and, and just realize, you know what, one day I'm going to laugh about it. Let me laugh about it now. What's funny about this, this situation? Yeah. What could I learn from this situation? Cool. Bam. What's the next thing I, I have to do? Let me keep going. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I would say, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Because really, life doesn't have to be this serious. Yeah, and everything true. can be reframed. Now, important thing when I say reframe bad things that happen to you. This is a stoic approach. By the way, uh, I noticed you have Epictetus yeah, over yeah. there. Uh, the statue, guys can't see it on the cameras, but there's literally a statue of Epictetus. It is a um, stoic philosopher who was actually a slave back in the day and he, he came up with some really interesting works. So stoics always said it's not about what happens to you. Um, it's about... Um, how you view what happened to you. So they yes. they, they, they always said that huh. nothing is good or bad. Things mm-hmm. just are. It's about interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. So I truly believe in it, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do your best. So I think I view your life in, in such a way where you got to do your best. Like you got you to gotta embrace the self-discipline and you got to do your best, right? Whatever it is, just, 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 just give your all. But once you give your all, Disattach yourself from the outcome and, and realize whatever happens now, like my job is done, mm. cool. Let me relax because whatever happens will turn into something that was meant for me, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you cried, Jimmy? Oh, holy shit, that's a, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a question, man. Last time I cried, man. Ah, <laughs> let me actually think about it. I want to give you like a real answer. Cool, take your time. It's just because you mentioned, uh, you know, give yourself. You, you, you said something about. I mean, I well. like last time I, I cried like really like like heavily mm-hmm. was six years ago after the breakup with my ex. Okay, but not right after, but two months after when I realized, you know. In the moment, I, I, I knew that this was the right thing to do for me and for her. So we broke up together. But then two months later, I realized that, damn, maybe I made a mistake. She was really like a, a perfect wife material. Hmm. Amazing family. She had all the right instincts, a good person. She would never cheat on me. She would, like 
she was a good fucking person. Like you just not, she was a good person. We were just not aligned. Not, not, we just met at the wrong time. Mm. And uh, so like two months later, I realized maybe I should go back to her. I went to Budapest, I met her. And then we talked about it and it was a no go. Like she, she kind of, she decided to move on. And she said, I mean, of course it was tempting also to get back with me, but we both kind of knew that it wouldn't lead to anything. So that was very emotional. Um, yeah, six, six years ago. Um, but if we are talking about just tears, yeah, not cr- this is okay. crime, yeah. tears fairly recently it it happens to me sometimes it's not it's like one tear here and there when i get truly inspired i have those moments man when i have those moments when i'm i'm on a plane for example and i'm touching down a place like tokyo and i just finished journaling for like five hours when i fly by the way i always want to when i want to play and i have my drill Power nap, stretching at the back, bang out, couple of hundred squats. Jesus. Talk to the flight attendants before, <laughs> so I make friends with them so they don't think I'm a crazy weirdo. <laughs> so I bang out a bunch of squats, on those push-ups even, and um, then I sit down. And then at some point I get a glass of usually red wine. And uh, that's, that's why I normally don't drink, but glass of red wine, open my laptop and I journal. Nice. And when I journal, I really get into it. And uh, then I, as I t- I'm touching down, I have my, my Bose headphones with noise cancellation, my favorite music pumping. And I'm thinking, I'm inspired because I've just journaled for hours and hours. And I'm like, I'm in Tokyo now. How the fuck is it possible that a kid who grew up in Poland, where I remember like gr- growing up, you know, in Grudziądz and then in Toro in this small neighborhood, no language abilities. It was like the pinnacle, like uh, of achievement to even leave Poland. And I'm like, all those limiting beliefs of will I be able to accomplish anything? And then all this journey of trying to make ends meet in the UK and slowly building myself up and and trying to 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 make things happen business wise and hearing mm. now everywhere. I'm thinking, and now I'm here, and I'm getting paid to speak to people. Mm. And right after I'm flying to Bali to do my adventure masterminds, where each one of those entrepreneurs is paying three and a half K to be there with me for three and a half days. And, 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 and they get value out of it. And then I'll find another place to be on a nomad cruise to, to speak to uh, 500 entrepreneurs and connect with them and cruise ship going to Brazil and then doing another mastermind there. And then I'm doing this and this and I'm like, like when I when I have that realization, where where I realize this is like a fucking dream, man. Yeah, this is I'm living a fucking dream. And don't get me wrong, times <laughs> get tough. Times get tough, you know. Like um, it, it, it's it's life, right? You push yourself. You today I went to the gym. I told you, right? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had to I, after crazy work workout session. I still bang out one kilometer in the pool. Because I knew I had to, right? Push myself. So it gets tough. You feel, you feel like you, 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 you feel uh, like it's tough sometimes. But overall, this life is a dream, man. It's a dream, and and I met so many people who, who would kill, to just have like have life like this for a day, mm. and and just fills me with this tremendous sense of gratitude. And when I have that feeling, and I often have it, one or two tears may pop into the eye, but it's a positive thing, man. I remember when we went to the Himalayas, um, it was last May, 
last April, we did a mastermind there. And one of the members of the mastermind, Fabi, he met this Nepalese guy who had a small shop there. Mm -hmm. Turns out that this guy, he worked in Dubai before and he was making decent money in Dubai, but then he decided to go back to Nepal to be with his family. So now he's this small entrepreneur who has a small shop in, in, in uh, Pokhara in Nepal. And he said that he's saving every month $60. He's working like 20, 14 hours a day, saving 60 bucks so one day he can maybe take his wife on a holiday or, mm -hmm. or maybe pay for a better school for his kids. So very simple life and he's driven and he's working. He has a sense of purpose. So we invited this guy to join us for breakfast in our hotel, right? And on the mountain, you know, we sleep in like those lodges. But when we were in Pokhara, we booked a, a really nice four-star hotel for our mastermind. So we are eating this breakfast and I never forget, I never forget that this guy, at some point he said, guys, I just want to tell you something. I will never forget this day for the rest of my life. This is one of the best days of my life. I'm like, I'm a bit shocked. And, and then he keeps going. He says, I would never like believe if someone told me that one day I'm going to be sitting in a five-star hotel, sorry, first-star first hotel, eating breakfast like this. I normally don't get to eat food like this. This is like some Western, like all types of eating food like this with people from different places around the world, entrepreneurs who don't look at me just like I'm, I'm another Nepalese, but they actually want to learn about me and my life and try to inspire me and help me. And you guys are trying to connect me with people and you're giving mm. me advice. This is insane. This like, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my <laughs> life. And I, I never forget how I felt because one of those days, you know, I would have days where I'd be like, hey, you know what, I'm going to skip breakfast. Um, because we're having a long day, I'm going to sleep extra half an hour so I have more energy later. And I'm thinking this guy, like this is the highlight for him, mm. what I would almost skip, skip a breakfast. And <laughs> yeah. so just puts things in perspective, man. Exactly. Just fucking like when you meet people like this who have less than you, it put things in perspective. Often we focus on what we don't have. You know, mm. the glasses, okay, is the, this glass <laughs> half full or half empty? To me, it's always half full. Even if it's this much, it's, it's, it's half full, man. Because... Yeah. Um, because we live in a bubble. I mean, here in Edinburgh, walk around, nice cars, the minimum wage is solid, mm. uh, people making decent money, you have social security, you have, you have everything, you have gyms, you have restaurants. Life is, life is fairly easy, right? You go to Brazil, some of the smaller cities in Brazil, or you go to Rio and you go to one of the favelas, mm. you realize that people have different problems, you mm. know? The drug dealers out there. Or you go to Cambodia, you meet landmine victims. Mm -hmm. Or you go to one of those small villages like Moshi, for example, in Tanzania, and you talk to the local people, mm. trying to hustle on the streets to make some money, to, to buy some food. Damn, man, this really makes you realize how much you already have. Yeah. And, uh, and we don't focus on it enough. We don't focus on what we should be grateful enough. I feel like every single day, we should spend at least a little bit of time, even just a minute, just thinking, okay, what can I be grateful for? Yeah. What are some of the th things that I take for granted that other people simply don't have, right? And if you focus on those things, even for a minute, two minutes a day, your outlook is totally different, right? Mm -hmm. your, your perception of reality is different. Mm -hmm. So your day is better. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you're nicer to other people. <laughs> Therefore, they are nicer to other people. And it's just creates this nice positive spiral, man. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, I, I could <laughs> like I'm I'm really inspired. I could I could I don't want to talk too much now. That's so <laughs> I'm gonna ask you that question. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like it. This is this is literally the last question, mm. the last sort of scripted question that I have. Mm. If we if we go on beyond that, then fair sure, enough. Yeah, but yeah. this question is the the secret weapon. <laughs> <laughs> if you could change anything uh, in the world, what would it be and why? If I could change anything in the world. Uh, good question. Hmm. Okay, here's the answer. As much as I believe that... Okay, so there's lots of suffering in the world, lots mm -hmm. of violence, right? Whether humans against humans or humans against animals that mm -hmm. can't really defend themselves. It's pretty, pretty bad. But um, I believe that a, a little bit of bad things is necessary, right? Like like the duality of life has to be there, right? Yes. So a little bit of, maybe not necessarily suffering, but, but, but some of the bad things have to be there because without the bad, there is no good, right? It's, it's the yin-yang, it's the duality. It's, you can't appreciate hot shower without feeling cold, right? You may not appreciate a bunch of biscuits now, but, but <laughs> if you go for that, 40, 40 kilometer run, you will eat anything. You will eat grass. You will literally eat anything uh, just to get back some energy. So, so duality is important and we need some bad situations to make us grow, right? We need shitty situations in life. We need misfortune. We need all of those things. However, I feel like there is a limit and, and some of the stuff that's happening, um, like human trafficking, mm -hmm. right? Like rape, mm -hmm. right? Like like uh, kidnapping people and holding them against their will, like um, just being cruel to animals, uh, like those things. I would change those things. I, I I would like to reset the balance a little bit. So as much as I as I said, I believe in yin yang, right, good and bad. I feel like we we don't need to have rape. We don't need to have um, the crazy violence that that we have nowadays. So this is yeah. something I would want to change about the world. Mm -hmm. And and the question is how to change it. Mm. And I think probably probably the best way to change it is to make sure that we teach our kids right, mm. because often all the shit that's happening around the world comes from people who ex experience some type of trauma. Mm -hmm. Hard people, hard people, that mm. is the saying, right? And uh, usually when you look at a, 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 you know, somebody who raped, raped another person, what usually happens is that that person got raped themselves back in the day or experienced some other type of suffering in the childhood. Mm -hmm. When you look at bullies, um, often what happens, someone bullies somebody else because they have to overcompensate because what you may not know is that that person's dad is beating the shit out of him or her. So mm -hmm. now they have to overcompensate. That's all they know. Mm -hmm. They don't even know how to express themselves in a different way. So they have to beat people up. So I feel like everything comes from us influencing our kids in the right way. And it never ceases to amaze me. And this is, I'm curious what you think about it. I think this is an interesting topic. I had no idea we would get into this, but let, <laughs> damn man, let's go with the flow. Okay. <laughs> uh, Cause this is important. Um, we gotta change the education system. Mm. The system is broken. 
Mm -hmm. The system is broken. What do we learn at school nowadays has nothing to do with real life. Mm. Nothing wrong with physics and maths and, and you know, it's, it's, it's all good. You know, kids should learn those things just to get an overview of what's out there, right? You need to learn basic maths. You need to learn basic chemistry and physics. It's good for your brain. It's, it's a part of growing up to learn about those things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like just as we put so much emphasis on learning maths, we have to put a lot of emphasis on learning personal development. Yeah. Especially learning how to manage yourself. This is the most important skill, right? And we don't do it at schools. Mm. You know, I never ceases to amaze me. This is this is ridiculous. That we tell kids, you gotta learn, you gotta cram this material, right? You gotta get good grades so you go to the university. Do we ever spend any time teaching kids how to learn? Do we ever do it? Nobody mm. ever taught me when I was at school how to learn. Right? Nobody, nobody told me, you don't just have to cram the material. Yeah. There are certain techniques and strategies you can use. You could do it in a fun way. There's something called a mastermind. You could mastermind with other people in your group, right? Yeah. In the class, therefore you learn more. You can learn how to express your opinions. Nobody's ever teaching this, right? And there's actually, there's a cool book. Uh, this is a big topic, but there's a cool book called Spark, right? And um, I think the subtitle is The Surprising Science of of sport and learning, something like that. Don't remember, okay. but anyway, if you type in Spark with exclamation mark, yeah, you'll find it, like yellow cover, great book. Yeah. So those guys, so, so those two guys, they, they went to the school in Naperville in the US and make the long story short, they took a bunch of kids. This used to be one of the worst schools, right? And what they did was they started teaching those kids, uh, those kids physical fitness every morning. But on top of that, they started teaching kids how to deal with other kids. So they started teaching social dynamics. So for example, okay. um, they would say, okay, look, today we want you to uh, talk to somebody you never met before in the class and just introduce yourself and just say, what is one thing that you really like? And that's it for today. And then it would gradually increase it. So by the end of the year, kids felt comfortable talking to anybody about anything. Mm. They were also fit, therefore they had more energy because they trained every day. Mm. Now, instead of grading kids, based on how well they did, they put those um, pulse meters on them mm -hmm. and they judged everything based on the effort you put in. So the guy actually wrote in the book, he said, look, there's this small girl who wasn't doing that well and he would normally say, you little lady, you f well, you're not putting any effort in, you're gonna get one. And then the moment they gave her the, the pulse meter, they realized that she was running at like 195 you know, no, uh, beats per second. So uh, she was exerting more, more effort than anybody else. They just couldn't see it. So anyway, <laughs> fascinating book. But the point is, that school went from one of the worst in the US to one of the best in the world in terms mm. of the test wow. results. Great book, highly recommended. But the point is, many of those uh, things they've implemented, I feel like should be implemented in schools nowadays. Mm -hmm. Teaching meditation. You know, we, we tell kids, oh, you have ADHD, therefore you have to take those pills. And... Um, Pills never fix the real yeah. problem, the real issue. Very often, you know, we, we look at uh, Ken Robinson, a great TED talk. Fantastic. Ken, you know it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he talks about a girl who was always moving around and they said, she is stupid, she will never learn anything. They didn't realize that she had a great talent. Then she pe became a great, I think, ballerina. Mm. Everyone has different talents and we got to understand that every kid is different. We can't simply say that kid is loud, therefore that kid 
uh, has nothing to do at school. Now maybe that kid will be a great orator. Maybe he will create content. Maybe he will be an adventurer or a big leader. Sounds like you, Jim. Right? <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, I was misunderstood. You know, teachers, my teachers, man, we didn't talk about my teachers when I was younger, when I was um, in this middle school, 14, 15 years old, mm -hmm. in public school, teachers would tell me that I was dumb. Seriously. But actually I was being lazy. I wasn't doing enough. I just wasn't <laughs> learning. But the reason I wasn't learning is because they told me, they, they imparted limiting belief on me. So I, I would kind of, in a way, overcompensate in the wrong way. So teachers would tell me, ah, you'll never accomplish anything. So I would say, fuck you. And then I started <laughs> doing graffiti and I was beatboxing, riding skateboards. And I, I started going to the gym and I would like do everything but learning. Mm. But then when we had those, those reasoning tests, those kind of IQ, yeah. emotional intelligence tests, um, then I did really well. I was like on the top of my class and they were like, oh, this should be a mistake. I'm like, it's not a fucking mistake. But, but, but the thing is, I was misunderstood and because of that, I almost fa failed class. I almost failed class one time because I, I, I was misunderstood. Mm. That created a lot of anger mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to manage it, so I didn't learn. And I know many kids who were very bright but they were misunderstood as well. And now they are doing some basic manual jobs because mm. they didn't get into personal development and they didn't realize that you not studying is actually not saying fuck you to the teacher, but you're saying fuck you to yourself, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually to show this teacher, prove the teacher wrong, you should study and you should become the best version of yourself. But mm. you know, when you're a kid, you don't know about those things. Yeah, when you're true. a kid, you have certain emotions, you feel anger, you don't know how to deal with it. Why not do a meditation class? Why not teach kids? You don't call it meditation. Let's call it, let's call it managing emotions. Let's call, let's call it something else. Let's call it becoming a warrior just to make kids yeah, use some marketing, yeah, yeah. right? Use some psychology, <laughs> whatever we call it, but, but do something so kids, when they turn 18, they know more about themselves. They know their own self-deception mechanisms. They know their weaknesses, their strengths. They know how to manage themselves when they get pissed off. Uh, they know how to manage their emotions when they feel sad. Mm. Um, they know that it's not about your past, it's about what you do about your present and your future, right? Why don't we do it, man? Why don't we teach kids those things? It's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. And my friend actually, Vishen Lakhiani, the CEO of Mindvalley, yeah. he's doing a great job. He's actually, he's doing this program now. He's going into different schools. He started with Scandinavia, where he's teaching kids at schools personal development. Hmm. So this is the new thing he's trying to roll out into yeah. the world, and I love his vision. I'm a huge fan of him. Oh, yeah. oh really, Vision? Yeah, yeah. Vision yeah, is yeah. a great, he's such a great guy. Yeah. Uh, man, amazing human being. So I love his vision. I mm -hmm. love his vision. He's trying to change educational system. Mm. And, uh, and actually, I went to Mindvalue and Tallinn uh, last year. I was teaching there, and they created a special group, because it's for adults, right? We had 1,000 you know, adults. Mm -hmm. But they created a special teenager class and kids class. Okay. So I had a pleasure not to only do keynotes on a big stage, but also I was teaching like 60, 70 uh, teenagers. Yeah. And, and tell you what, it wasn't easy, man. To, to, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah, tougher yeah. than teaching business people. Hmm. But it was unbelievable what those kids learned after one month. Mm. You know, they, they, they learned about all of those important things in life that most adults don't know about. So, mm -hmm. yeah. What do you think about this? Like, I'm, I'm curious. Uh... Oh man, I, when I started doing interviews 
very first. Mm. I was kind of on board with the the hate train with the education system. And, you know, I listened to Sir Ken Robinson and I was like, oh, this needs to change. And one of my good friends was of the same mindset. But then I started to kind of quiz my own opinions on it and was like, well, when was the last time I was in a school? Mm. How do, do I know what's being taught in schools today? Because the reality is, like, I don't. I was at school... I left school in 2001. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? So for me to say that, you know, the education system needs to be, um, you know, sort of transformed or whatever, for me, it was slightly, uh, I just didn't feel as though I was, it was my place to be kind of saying it. Mm. But I, I know more about what happens in this, in schools now, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we are making certainly, and I can speak about Scotland uh, and mm-hmm. the the UK to some extent. I think we are making progress. Yeah. But I still mm-hmm. think the divide between what people need nowadays to equip them to go on to live a decent life, mm-hmm. you were so far behind. Yeah. And the yeah. the rate of change in the world is so, uh, is so like. Mm-hmm. <sighs> How do you even explain it? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated it's, topic, right? It is. It's really difficult. It's really difficult. But but I feel like it's just about starting with that first step, right? As long as it's not about making a huge change right away. Yes, it never but works, but yeah. just at least trying to to change some things, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I mean, us, us just doing this, you know, is Hopefully is this will some discussions. Stuff. I mean, yeah. hopefully, I, I actually probably we should cut just this bit out of the interview and post it separately <laughs> with, a, with, a, with some catchy title just to sp- start a conversation yeah. around this because I feel like it's important to talk about those things. I notice from my personal life, the moment you start talking about some things out loud and you start a conversation, that's when things start happening. Yeah. Because our conversation may lead someone to have a discussion over a dinner table and that may lead to something else. And again, it's like this ripple effect and you have all mm. those ripples and the next thing you know, uh, if other people start talking about it in other parts of the world, then mm-hmm. eventually the change will come. Yeah. Basic things like 45 minutes of studying and 10 minute break. Yeah. They're, they're, like there are many rules that just don't work anymore. Yes. You know? they're, they're, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's a topic for exactly. We, we could literally do yeah, a we could. we could literally do a podcast <laughs> themed yeah, like, like this and, and just do a bunch of two-hour videos just to talk about this, right? <laughs> Definitely, yeah, yeah. But, but before we finish, I want to ask sure. you, because I have a feeling going to be wrapping up, right? Yeah. But, but you asked me, what change do I want to see in the world? What change do you want to see in the world? <laughs> well, if you could change one thing, what, what would you change? Uh, I've thought about this question a lot because I ask it all the, the time. The camera's still working. Yeah, right. as far as I know, cool. yeah. Um, I the, would... The microphone's uh, still working. <laughs> <laughs> um, so part of my personal um, mission is to kind of eradicate ignorance or raise the mm. level of consciousness in people. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be something around that. It would be, I mean, massively challenging people's existing beliefs mm-hmm. and opinions and views and the way that they, um, way that they are with themselves, but also the way that they perceive the world. Um, and, and trying to move people from a kind of fear-based mentality to one of love. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love yeah. it. I love it. So would you say that's one of the biggest um, biggest uh, blocks people experience nowadays, right? I the think fear so. Fear-based mentality. Yeah, I think so. I think well. If can you, you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, oh, I think if, if we if we looked at the planet Earth, mm. you know, as a, a collective consciousness, I think we calibrate quite lowly. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, if 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 ugh, th- th- you could go so so deep on this, but just to keep it more superficial, I reckon you, that you read um, Haw- Hawkins, right? We're, yeah, Power exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I reckon we're like yeah. in the sort of low hundreds, um, and I think that it's in the interest of the people that govern the the world, the mm. people, the elite, or whatever you want to call them, and the people to keep everyone in a fear-based mentality because mm-hmm. they're easier con- to control, et cetera, et cetera. And we're yeah. seeing a lot of people who are really starting to push the boundaries on, on that sort of stuff and publish content to, you know, awaken people to what's mm. actually going on. But imagine if we could recreate world so there were there was no rules Mm. there was nothing on the planet it was just a blank slate you know how would we re-engineer everything that we currently do in order so it was fully optimized Mm -hmm. it would be nothing like what we're doing at the moment yeah Uh yeah so how do we make steps to move towards that most people aren't thinking about it because most Mm -hmm. people are simply trying to survive in the world Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's enough wealth to go around that all of us would have money if we wanted to do it. No one's yeah. doing it, so yeah. I don't know how we get. You know, I don't know how we get there. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the yeah. big idea. I guess. That's that's cool, man. It's really really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, man, we could, we could literally go I, on. I, but I, I'll, I was just tempted to ask another question, <laughs> but we'll, that's it. We'll, we'll stop that's for it. now and keep yeah. some. Uh, keep something back but man honestly thank you so much for a for being here b for your honesty and c for just like dropping massive value it's been it's been so much fun being with you it was fun man it was a lot of fun (laughs) seriously i really enjoyed it good Uh, we could we could literally talk for for another few hours oh sure uh, i don't want the cameras to turn off yeah exactly it's it's fun we 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 will shoot some content videos tomorrow i think 100 yeah first two videos for your uh for your new course. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's I do told it. you, I'm not leaving this place unless you have an outline and at least two videos for your okay. course. That's it. That's what it is. Let's do it. If you, if you, whether you publish it or not is up to you, but, um, but yeah, let's get it done. <laughs> awesome. All right. Jimmy. Awesome. Thank you so much, my friend. Pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. And thank, thanks to everyone who was listening to this. <laughs> if you got to this point, then I just want to say from my side, I, I honestly really, really appreciate uh, the time because your time is valuable and you could have been doing so many other things now. You, you could have been with your family, with your friends, you could have been in a bar, you could have been at the gym, whatever it is. And the fact that you spent, what, maybe two hours, I don't know how long yeah. it is, listening to us to talk, uh, super inspiring, uh, appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I would say just post a comment and... Uh, Subscribe to his channel. I mean, his channel is really, really great. And uh, let us know what you think. If you listen till this point, I'm sure you have some insights and uh, would love to hear from everyone and anyone. So let us know. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jimmy. Thank you. You've been listening to Inspired Edinburgh. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe for more powerful conversations. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show and we'll see you at the next episode.